Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Helen Freer. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer. And in today's episode of Beyond Markets, I'm very happy to be joined by Mathieu Rachete, our head of equity strategy research. And we're going to talk about the Q3 earnings season and some of the key takeaways so far. Hi, Mathieu, and thank you, first of all, for joining me today. Hello, Helen. Thanks for inviting me. So at the time of recording, we've had around 91% of the S&P 500's market cap reporting results so far. How have companies done this time around? Yes, as you mentioned, we are moving into the final stage of the earnings season. The majority of the companies have already reported, at least in the US. Overall, earnings are tracking a 1% miss compared to consensus expectations. And if you look at the different sectors, The earnings misses are concentrated in the more cyclical parts of the market. So, for instance, financials, materials, communication sector has seen the biggest downward revisions. On the other side, the classic defensive sectors, uh, but also oil and gas sectors, surprised positively this time around. And also IT actually surprised positively, which might look strange to you given the earnings disappointment of the large cap tech names. Yes, that's interesting. And I'll definitely come back to that later. But firstly, I wanted to ask you, what about in Europe? How have results here compared with the US? The earnings season in Europe usually starts a bit later than in the US, but also there, 75% of the companies have already reported results. And the picture looks a bit uh, better compared to the US. So companies in Europe are on average reporting slightly better results than expected. So the stock 600 index is tracking a 1% beat which compares to 1% miss in the US. In terms of sectors, uh, the beats are mainly concentrated in financials and also the commodity-related sectors, so slightly different picture here compared to the US. But overall, you know, the big picture here, it's better than in the US. But to be fair, you know, we have seen a massive cut in Q3 EPS expectations ahead of the start of the earnings season. So consensus has lowered their EPS expectations by 6% which makes the bar for companies lower to beat in Europe. And how have investors digested this earnings season, would you say? So this time around, investors are not giving the corporates the benefit of the doubt anymore. So if you look at the share price reaction following the results, companies who missed both on earnings and sales saw their share price getting hammered. So the shares underperformed the broad market by 7% on average, if companies miss on both the top line and bottom line, which is a new record, actually. So if you look at the 20-year historical average, it's minus 2.4%. This time around, we had a really massive reaction of 7%. And this is also quite asymmetrical. So companies that actually beat both on earnings and sales are not getting rewarded more than usual. And this really shows that investors are nervous about earnings risks. And you might ask, what kind of earnings risk? And if you dig a bit deeper into the data of beats and misses, there is a clear focus of investors on cost discipline. So margin-driven earnings beats are being rewarded even if revenues miss. On the opposite side, margin-driven earnings misses are being punished severely even if revenues are in line or ahead. So there's a clear focus of investors on cost discipline this time around. 
Let's go back to a point you made earlier that the IT sector surprised positively in this earnings season, while many of the well-known large cap tech companies reported weak results, and they've seen some pretty wild moves in their share prices, actually. It doesn't seem to follow. Why do you think that this is? Yes, you know, we have, as I mentioned, we have seen quite some severe price reaction, mostly to the downside after they released their quarterly figures. And there are two key messages that I want to highlight here. The first one being that there is no read across of the large cap tech earnings to the rest of the S&P 500 earnings. So the big tech stocks have over-earned during the peak times of the pandemic and some are overspending now. And if you look, for example, at the CapEx spending for the S&P 500, it has increased further to 24% year over year, mainly driven by the energy complex, but um, also by the large cap tech companies here. The second key message is that um, nowadays, only part of the FANG stocks, which are you know the famous large cap tech stocks in the US, the FANG complex, only a part of them are actually considered tech these days. So many really forget that uh, there was a big reshuffle of, of the indices back in 2019. So for instance, Med and Alphabet belong to the communication sector. And Amazon, Tesla, and Netflix are in the consumer cyclical sector. The IT sector itself in the S&P 500 is dominated by Apple and Microsoft. And the US IT sector actually outperformed the overall market since the start of the earnings season. So just to keep that in mind. Now, we know that equities trade largely based on the outlook for future earnings. So the guidance from companies is actually more important than the figures for the last quarter. So what should investors make of the latest guidance from companies? So when it comes to guidance, we haven't seen any capitulation in guidance from the corporates yet. The management usually sounded cautious, yes. So, for example, the mentioning of the word weak demand during the earnings call is the highest it has been um, for years. But many executives have refrained from giving any guidance, any clear guidance for next year. Many are just pushing it further out. So, therefore, we probably need to wait uh, for the Q4 earnings season early next year when the corporates are forced to discuss uh, their outlooks uh, for 2023. And what about the analyst community? How have they reacted to the latest earnings releases? So analysts are finally uh, starting to cave in on their forecast. And as we've highlighted before, that's actually a good sign that we are closer to the end of the bear market. Uh, we think this is a necessary step for the formation of a new bull market, and we are getting there sooner uh, rather than later. So if we exclude the energy sector, which, as you know, is driven by special factors uh, this year, the S&P 500 is already in an earnings recession. If you look at Q2 and Q3 earnings growth figure year over year, it's already in negative territory here. Having said that, if you look at the EPS number for next year, um, this still seems too high for us and we need to come down further. In the case uh, of a recession in the US, which is not our baseline scenario, but in the case, uh, we think the number will come down to 190 US dollar per share. So roughly a 20% cut in next year's earnings estimate from current levels. We actually thought we would already have enough evidence this season um, for the earnings figure for next year to come down. But so far, as we discussed before, we haven't seen any capitulation on guidance from the corporates yet. So many are really pushing it further out. So we probably need to wait until the holiday season, December, or even more likely the Q4 earnings season early next year before the 2023 earnings figure will be revised down meaningfully. Which means that earnings shouldn't be a headwind to the market over the coming weeks at least and shouldn't derail the year-end rally that we have been expecting. 
Great. Thank you, Mathieu. So this is all very interesting, but what does it mean for investors then? So we have actually recommended a defensive tilt since early February this year that played out well so far. Also high dividends or, you know, in general, high shareholder return stocks have also performed well in relative terms. But from now on, you know, the bar is for further outperformance in those segments is much higher. And the key question uh, for next year is if the U.S. can avoid a recession or not, if you will have a Fed-induced recession in the U.S. So we think defensives will only repeat their outperformance if the Fed is pushing the U.S. into a recession. And in terms of valuation, the premium of defensives over cyclicals usually reaches um, a 20% premium in a recession scenario. And we are currently at roughly 10% premium. We are slightly more optimistic than consensus and think the U.S. will be able to avoid a recession, at least, you know, a severe one. So we think it makes sense to make a first step towards picking up some better down cyclical names. But really, to be clear here, we would not recommend a massive shift from defensives into cyclicals just yet. And the time for this big rotation has not come yet. Usually, you know, if you look at historical data here, the relative performance of cyclicals versus defensives bottoms one month before the trough in the leading indicators, such as the PMIs. So according to our playbook, um, this will be somewhere between late Q1 and early Q2 next year, when we will also have enough evidence that the US will be able to avoid the recession. At this point of time, or next year, we think investors will start to shift massively from defensives to cyclicals. And, you know, just in general, it's kind of hard to get the timing right on these big rotations here. Therefore, we think it makes sense to allocate already the new money, the incremental money into the more cyclical space of the equity market going forward. Okay. And within cyclicals then, where would you focus? We would actually start looking at European cyclicals. Uh, many of them are already pricing in a recession. If you look at the relative uh, valuation charts, also in the US, you know, we see selective opportunities. So it's really more about stock picking in cyclical names at this stage rather than broad-based exposure to some sectors or, or regions. Okay, so um, to sum up then, you said that in the US we've seen a 1% miss, but European firms have done a bit better in this earnings season with a 1% beat so far. In terms of guidance for next year, you said that management are sounding cautious, but many executives have actually refrained from giving any guidance for next year. So it's a question of waiting for the Q4 earnings season early next year to get an idea about guidance. And in terms of investing, then, we would slowly start to look at some of the beaten down cyclical stocks, but we're not saying that a big shift from defensives into cyclicals is appropriate at this stage. Is that a fair summary, Mathieu, or is there anything else you'd like to highlight again? Yes, that's a very good summary of what we discussed today. Great. Thank you very much, Mathieu, for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you very much, Helen. And with that, we conclude this edition of the Beyond Markets podcast. Thanks again to Mathieu for taking the time to speak to me today. And thank you all for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this conversation and that you will join us again soon. Bye for now. Get ready for the day ahead. Moving Markets is a daily market news briefing from Julius Baer's leading experts. You'll hear all about the latest ups and downs across asset classes, the underlying drivers, and our thoughts on where markets are heading. Search 
for moving markets on your favourite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.